page 1161. It's 2 Corinthians is the name of the book of the Bible. Uh, Chapter 5, verses 16 to 21. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone's in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. All of this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Folks, if you keep uh, the, the wee habit that we have here, a lot of us just keep the, the Bible passage open on our knee. Some of you don't know me at all. You, you shouldn't trust me, okay? You don't, you don't trust anybody you don't know. Keep this open and make sure that when I'm talking, what I'm saying is coming from, from God's word and not just from me. Each of the guys who has stood here this morning and and even the one or two who weren't able to be with us here this morning who are becoming new communicants in this church, who are professing faith in Jesus Christ, they have a story to tell of how Jesus somehow found them, met with them, and brought them to him. I'd love it. if I've heard some of those stories because I go and meet with people and chat to them. It's one of my great privileges I'd love you to hear them all. I'd love to have worked from, from that end of the line to the other. We'd be here a long time. We can't do that this morning. But what we can do is hear, hear one story. Uh, I'm, I haven't chosen this one because it's better than the others, but rather because I want, I want one story to sort of stand to represent all the others that could be told. So just now I'm going to invite uh, Drew to come and share. Just tell us a little bit about God's work in his life these last years. Drew, if you come to the lectern here and use that microphone. Morning, everyone. When Christoph asked me to share a little of how I've come to be standing here today, my first thought was, he really must enjoy seeing me uneasy. (laughs) So if you can bear with me, I'll do my best to give you an account. Most of you will know that Diane and I finally got married here on the 6th of December last year, and we did it a bit differently, although we think it was a special way. We've been together for about 24, 25 years, I'm not exactly sure. have to confess. (laughs) I have four children, two with Diane, there's Charlotte and Sarah, whom a lot of you already know, and two from my first marriage, Joanna and Christopher, who you're unlikely to know. And we didn't invite any of them to our wedding. In fact, we didn't invite anyone to our wedding. 
When we agreed the arrangements with Christoph, I phoned Joanna and said that Diane and I are getting married, and thankfully she was delighted for us. And then I asked, would you be upset if you weren't invited? To which she replied, that all depends, Dad, on who else isn't being invited. (laughs) Once she'd agreed, that helped set the tone for the conversations that were still to come with the other three. And thankfully, they were equally pleased and all accepted our decision and, more importantly, our reasons for not having them there. We did have two very special guests, though, who doubled as our witnesses, and they were Claire and Jill, Claire Ebbinghouse and Jill Jordan. And, oh, we mustn't forget the photographer, Raphael Mason. We had to have a photographer so as the family could see that we actually did get married. We met Christoph when he first came to KMPC. He'd been in High Kirk up in Ballymena prior to that, and my brother Henry is a member up there. So when Henry found out that Christoph was coming to Kirkpatrick Memorial, he didn't miss his opportunity to ask him to call with Diane and I, as we live just across the road from the church here in Eastleigh Crescent. I'm sure you were thrilled, Christoph, at the prospect of that, but you did it anyway. And I have no idea what you thought of us, but we liked you and we liked the way you talked to us. So a short time later, we decided to send Charlotte and Sarah to the Sunday school here, which meant that I started attending the services. Although I thought I knew about God and Jesus, when I listened to Christoph's teaching from the Bible, I started to hear it fresh and new, so much so that it sometimes seemed as though he was speaking directly to me, as though I was the only one in the congregation. I know now that was the work of the Holy Spirit and he was drawing me into a relationship with Jesus. I didn't really know what I was getting into, but through the teaching and books that I had begun to read, as well as watching Christoph and how he conducted himself, I knew that I wanted things in my life to change. So once I had decided that Jesus was who he said he was, and not just someone from stories that we've all grown up with, but a real person who was God, who is God, I decided to follow him. To decide that Jesus is Lord is a big decision. I work as a financial advisor and I help people make some major decisions in terms of buying a house or trying to get the correct spread of investments to make their money last in retirement. These are big decisions and choices, but nothing in comparison to deciding what you think of Jesus and how you respond when he says to you, come and follow me. One of the promises he makes is that he came to bring life. In John chapter 10, verse 10, he says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. In the Amplified Version, it says, I came that they may have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. And I was struck by that, by the thought, I was struck by that, by that, and I thought, who wouldn't want that sort of life if it was on offer? So I decided if it was an option, then I'd ask for it. So basically, I got down on my knees in my bedroom and hoped no one would come in, and I said something like, you promised life to the full, and and I want it. Has he delivered on his promise? Well, 
Yes, he has delivered on it because soon after that, Diane also became one of his followers. It has taken us a lot of years to get from there to here. But I've learned that God doesn't get in a panic or a rush, but instead, just when the time is right, in his time, then things fall into place and stuff happens. Anyone who's rearing a family will know and agree it's tough. We always say, especially in these times, but I think that could be said of any time. And it's tough in business, and I'm sure you will also agree things never go as you'd anticipated that they would. Diane and I both agree that we may not have made it this far, but for our faith in God. When things are tough, we pray together. When they're good, we pray together. When we became part of this church family, we met some of the most amazing people who accepted us as brothers and sisters in Christ. We've seen this family come together to comfort those members who are hurting. And we've seen them come together to have fun. And they have encouraged and accepted us without question. And it's all thanks to Jesus. He always gets the praise and the glory. So how did I come to be standing here today? It happened because I decided to accept that Jesus is in control. And I've given him control over my life, my family and my business, to guide, teach and correct me when I mess up. And in the words of Richie, that's it. If you're a guest with us here today, you might, that last reference might be lost on you. Uh, we had an assistant minister here until last summertime, Richie. Um, Richie wasn't always sure how to finish a sermon, so whenever he was stuck for an ending, he would just stop and say, that's it, and, and sit down. So, uh, Drew, thank you so much for sharing with us about Jesus' work in your life. I want to talk for a few minutes um, about what Drew's shared here and, and showing God's word that this is, this is for everyone. That, that Bible passage, folks, if you have it open before you, uh, just want to show a couple of things as quickly as I possibly can. The Apostle Paul's writing a second letter to a bunch of Christians in Corinth. That's a, a city which you could still visit today. It's in, in northern Greece. Um, these guys are Christians, but they're far from the finished product. If you read the letter, you'll get a feel for that. Um, they're, they're struggling in all sorts of ways. But notice what Paul says about them in verse 17. He says, If anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. Wow. New creation. Imagine that. Imagine somebody says to you, Right, all that stuff that you're struggling with, all that you that you don't love, all that, we can, we can fix that. We can reboot. We can give you a new start. New creation. Who wouldn't love that? I know Drew's invited a number of friends and family members here today. Some of you guys know Drew longer than I do, so you've known him for years. And you'll know the truth of what Paul says 
there in verse 17. Because you've seen it with your own eyes. Your friend, Drew Clements, is an entirely different person than he was 10 years ago. He's a new creation. He's met Jesus Christ and the gospel of Jesus Christ has turned him around into something totally different. And the same is true for Diane. I was speaking at a conference a few years ago that a group of men from the church uh, were along at and I knew Drew was in the congregation. I was trying to explain to these guys that our purpose in the world, once we know Jesus, is to make Jesus look good. That's, that's what a Christian's here for. That's why he doesn't just bring us straight to heaven. It's to, to hang around, to be a signpost and to help other people see how great Jesus is. Well, knowing that Drew was in the audience that day, I pointed at him and I said, there's a guy here who gets this. Drew Clements. Everywhere he goes, Jesus' reputation goes through the roof. Whether it's with his, his partner, whether it's with his kids, whether it's with his clients, whether it's his family or friends, Jesus grows in the minds of people who meet Drew Clements. You see, Jesus can change a life. He makes people new, new creation. It's enough to get you thinking, isn't it? I'd like a bit of that. That life, that energy, that health, that life to the full that Drew's been talking about, where do I find it? Well, stick with, stick with Paul, stick with God's word here. Verse 18, all this is from God, he says who's reconciled us to himself through Jesus. What, what's Paul talking about? How did God reconcile us to himself? What, what's Jesus got to do with it? Well, I don't have very long today, so I've got to take you very, very quickly and straight away to the, the place where we see all this, the cross of Jesus Christ, the place where he was crucified outside of Jerusalem. Paul tells us right at the end of the chapter, look again, verse 21, what happened when Jesus died on the cross. He says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Did you get that? The one perfect person who ever lived, the one person of whom you can say he had nothing on him. There's nothing bad on this guy. He who had no sin, God made him sin for us. Jesus, you go there and be in the place of Christoph Ebbinghaus and of Drew and Diane Clements and of all those other new communicants and all those other people in this gathering and, and, and actually all the people I've ever created who've fallen and failed me in this world. You go and be in their place and let the, the punishment and the judgment that they deserve fall on you. And he did. And it's beautiful. He died so that we don't have to. But folks, it, it gets even better than that. In that moment, Jesus doesn't just take my muck, my dirt, my filth, 
He gives me his beauty and his righteousness. Look, look again. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. God put the wrong stuff that I carry on Jesus and he put all the beauty of Jesus on me, on you, on any person who trusts in Jesus Christ. I still don't get this. He looks on me today and he sees me as beautiful as his son. Drew and Diane, let me take you back for a few moments to your wedding. Right here, 6th of December, 2018. I'll never forget it. On that day, I shared with you a picture of your marriage as a, a picture of the Christian gospel. One of the medieval writers, he encouraged us to think of the gospel as the greatest love story ever. The story of a rich and divine bridegroom, Christ, who marries the poor, wicked harlot and redeems her from all her evil and adorns her with all his goodness. At the wedding, a wonderful exchange takes place. The king takes all the shame and the debt of his bride and the harlot receives all the wealth and the royal status of the bridegroom. What a swap. All our junk, all our rubbish, all our... We give it away. And all we get is beauty and righteousness and love. Folks, we've talked here today about Drew and Diane, others like them, new creations in Jesus. We've talked about how it's possible, how God has reconciled us to himself through Christ, particularly by his death on the cross. So what do we need to do? Well, Paul tells us again, in verse 20, at that point he's explaining, listen, I'm a messenger for, for God. I'm Christ's ambassador, he says. But then he goes on to tell you what the message is. He says, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God's done the work. He's done what it takes to bring you home. But, but you've got to accept it. The reconciliation that he's won, you've got to take it and own it. And you've got to say, I am now reconciled with God. You've got to do that thing Drew did in his bedroom by his bed. Do it whatever way you need to do it. But be reconciled to God. Folks, the beautiful news of the gospel is you don't need to be God's enemy. Because he's done everything to make you his friend. You're not some stranger to God. He's your father. And no matter how far away you are, and no matter how long you've been that far away, he's waiting for you to come home. Folks, why live in darkness when you can live in light? Why live in a fear of death when life and more life and life to the full is, is 
yours? Why live lonely and isolated when God wants to give you his love? Folks, come today. Come and be reconciled to God. If you have heard me speak today and God's Spirit has, has started something new, you might not even know what it is, just some sense, a bit like Drew saying, I, I want that, that life. Speak to the person closest to you who knows Jesus best. And if you don't have one of those, I'd be delighted to talk to you about how you can be reconciled to God. Do it. Be reconciled to God. Not next week, today. We're going to sing together just now uh, as we prepare for the communion we're going to share together. Um, the song's called Man of Sorrows. It, it invites us to focus on that reconciling work of Jesus on the cross. We'll stand as we sing, and there's a moment in each of our services where we have an offering. If you're a guest with us here today, we don't charge people to come to our services, all right? You do not have to give. Please, you know, mostly I'm saying please don't, because this is something we do. We give to God, uh, and we support the work here and way beyond. So uh, let's stand together and worship God. The stewards will lift the offering.